Go in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Thank you for all the musicians and the singers. We're going to look at today a second chance. Thank God. How many's how many's glad that they've received a second chance? Yeah. That's what we want to look at today. A second chance. Jonah. Find Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. That's on page 1,353, if you're looking. I'll give you time. That's... uh, Kind of a hard book to find sometimes. Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. A lot of verses in this book that I like. This is my favorite, though, right here. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. That's good. That's good. Thank God. God's not one and done. Thank God it wasn't a one and done deal. One time, oh, you messed up, you're history, you're out of here. Uh, Jonah messed up and God came knocking again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid you. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Father, take the few words that we will speak here this morning, and I am praying, God, that it would be life, and it would be meat for men, and, Lord God, it would be milk for babes that are growing in you. But, Lord, everybody could receive something from this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Salvation. Salvation is all about a second chance. That cross is all about God shouting to us, I have given you a second chance. Every song that we sing is God whispering to us, I have given you a second chance. Thank God for his grace. We get letters from prison inmates and over and over and over they say that God has given them a second chance And in doing that, they're getting the uh, CDs that we provide them, and they're being encouraged. I mean, on a weekly basis, this church gets phone calls from truck drivers. How many knows that truck drivers are a lonely crowd of people? And how many knows that truck drivers want to talk to Joy and Justine for hours at a time? And I've told them, girls, you've got an out. All you do is you tell them, my pastor said I can only talk to you for about five or ten minutes. (laughs) So there's their easy out. We have got, no, I won't go into that. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, and again, it wasn't a one and done deal. To where God didn't leave him any hope or help. <laughs> you know what happened to David after God uh, banished them from the Garden of, Garden of Eden, and then they had kids later on, 
And the kids were looking back toward the Garden of Eden saying, Dad, Dad, what about that? What about the Garden of Eden? It looks so great over there. What about the Garden of Eden? Why don't we live there? It looks so much better than where we're at now. Dad, why don't we live over there? And Adam responds to the boys and said, Well, son, I used to live there, but your mom ate us out of house and home. (laughs) Come on, that's a good one. (laughs) And what did God do? God slayed an animal... Because there had to be blood that was shed, and Adam and Eve saw that as that life's blood dripped out of that animal, and they knew that their sin had caused that little creature to die. And God took the coats of the skins and of the the fur, and he covered Adam and Eve, and it was a covering for them, and it was a covering that God provided, not a covering of fig leaves of their own making. This will date me, but I can see where Adam and Eve, after they had failed and they put on the fig leaves and they went arm in arm and they went uh, skipping away saying, uh, uh, darn Newton, we love those fig Newtons or however that went. Remember that commercial? Darn Tootin, we love fig Newtons. That's how it was. But God came to them and offered them a sacrifice a covering for their sin. And I believe that they showed that and told that story time and time and time and time again to Cain and Abel. And in the process of time, Abel brings a sacrifice to God that it was of the firstling of the first fruits of his very best lamb that he had, and he brought that to God, and God was pleased. I'm telling you what it shows me, that Abel had listened, and it meant something to what mom and dad had went through, and the blood sacrifice that God had given to mom and dad, and now they, as, as Abel is doing the same thing that they had done, and God was pleased with that sacrifice. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. And I'm telling you, there ain't much sacrifice in squash and potatoes. That was not the sacrifice that God had demanded. And we've seen last week where I made mention of the, the old Arabic proverb about how that Cain was mad and he was wroth and he wanted to kill Abel and he didn't know how to do it. And he watched as the devil threw a rock at a wolf and killed the wolf. And the devil looked over at Cain and said, that's how you do it. And he went out and he slew his own brother, Abel. And you would think God would say, that cuts it. That ain't what God said. Watch what happens here. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, sin is laying at the door. That's what God told Cain. But you look that up in the Hebrew, and it says, this is an eye-opener. It says a sin offering is laying at your door. God, in his mercy, was giving this man, Cain, a second chance. 
I know what you've done is wrong. It is dastardly. How could anybody do that? You killed your own brother. But God is saying, turn around, Cain. The sacrifice I require, it's laying right there at your door. Turn around. It'll jump right up in your arms. The sin offering that I require is laying right at your door. This guy would not do it. He refused to go God's way. Simon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were born again. How did that happen? Because God is a God of a second chance. This man had, when the, well, the young maiden had said, you were with Jesus, and he said, I was not with Jesus. I'm sure you was with, I was not with Jesus. Your speech betrays you. And then with a curse, he says, I was not with Jesus. I do not know him. And I'm telling you, God could have cut that man off. But instead, God went looking for Simon Peter. And give that man a second chance. And in so doing, thousands of people were able to be born again. I am thankful that God gives us a second chance. A third chance and a fourth chance. See, Jesus went looking for him. Carl Block has a wonderful painting to where Jesus is turned and he's looking at Simon Peter as Simon Peter is warming himself by the, by the devil's fire. Wonderful picture, thought-provoking picture. Why does Jesus go looking for him? I think family members, we can get a better idea of this when we think of our own family. Why does Jesus go looking for Simon Peter? He's part of the family, that's why. Part of the family, that's why. I've seen people, Christian people, that are so hard and so negative and so downright just get mad over a particular sin, but watch what happens when a family member falls into that sin. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. There's a, there's a compassion that wells up that you don't feel if it's not your family. But if it's one of your own, then you feel an amount of compassion that rises up in you for that family member. This is why Jesus went searching for Simon Peter. He part of the family, that's why. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. This book is a book of greats. There is a great city. There is a great wind. There is a great storm. There is a great fish. There is great kindness that God showed in sparing the city. But I'm telling you, the greatest thing of this book is there's a great second chance given to Jonah. Jonah. What a despicable preacher. I mean, you wouldn't want this guy for your pastor. I'm telling you, you wouldn't. He looked out over that city and said, God, it'd be better if you just killed them all. Go ahead, kill them all. I'm going to watch. I'm going to sit right up here on this hill, and I'm going to watch you do this. Kill them all. And then I'll go back to Israel, and they'll say, that Jonah is a prophet. He preached judgment on them, and God wiped them all out. And you know what happened? Jonah sat up there on that hill. He watched as the whole city was converted, and God did not destroy them. And Jonah said, God, I knew it would happen this way. 
You are a God of compassion, and you want to spare people? I knew I'd preach, and that whole city would get saved. That preacher's mad about that. What a despicable guy. God gave Jonah a second chance. Look at David. David leading the flock. David killing a lion and a bear. David killing Goliath. David, the writer of most of the, of the Psalms. David dancing before the Lord. David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. But watch David as he takes Bathsheba, who does not rightfully belong to him, and have sex with that woman, and then turn around and have her husband murdered. And you think, God, you're just going to wipe this guy off the face of the earth. What does God do? God goes looking for him in the form of a man by the name of Nathan, and Nathan sticks his finger in that man's face and tells the parable of the man that has the one lone sheep and the other guy that has dozens and hundreds of sheep. And the man with everything took the one lone sheep. And David said, that guy will pay fourfold for doing such injustice. And Nathan takes the finger and says, you're the man. And David could have had that man killed on the spot. But instead, David says, I have sinned. That's why we revere David and we look down on Saul. That's why when Saul was confronted with his sin, it was, oh no, the people made me do it. Oh no, I can always find an excuse why I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It was the previous administration. Don't you get tired of hearing that. <laughs> Won't you get tired of hearing that? Step up to the plate, Buster. Watch King David as he takes the rap. He knows he's the guilty party and says, I'm the one that sinned. And immediately Nathan out of his mouth said, and now you are forgiven. I'm telling you the greatest thing that any person can realize is that they're a sinner and they need forgiveness of God's grace. You are right there. Charles Spurgeon preached on the 90 and 9, how Jesus left the 90 and 9 and went out looking for that one lone sheep that was lost and out of the back of London Tabernacle with 4,000 people in attendance, a man stood up and said, I'm lost. And Spurgeon said, you've just been found. I'm telling you, that's true. When you realize what your need is. It's that person with that bobblehead doll mentality. I remember, everything I talk about anymore is a thing of the past, but uh, uh, you used to have them in your, in your car. You hit, the, you, know, you hit the bump and you'd go like this, you know. You know some people, no matter what you talk to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Water off a duck's back. It's just like it never, ever soaks in. Look at John Mark. John Mark left Paul and Barnabas. He left, he left them, guys, because he was a young guy that was hired to sell the CDs at the back table, and he figured he's going to be able to, to hang out with all the good-looking Christian girls that was going to come up and buy the CDs. But he didn't know in the passageways and the and the hard places in Pamphylia that it was going to get really difficult to live for Jesus. And there he left, and he went back home. 
And Barnabas said, don't make fun of him. He's my relation. And Paul said, he's a sissy because he went home. And years later, Paul said, that guy, he's profitable for the ministry. Paul was right because God gave him a second chance and your second gospel in your Bible is after Mark, the guy that at one time fleed and left. God gave him a second chance. How many here is thankful for a second chance? I am, I am, I am. I'm thankful for a second chance. Let me be real quick, though, to tell you something that what you're going to do is the idea, and it's just how human nature is. Well, you know if God's just going to give me a, a second chance and a third chance and a 14th chance and a 99th chance and a, and a millionth and 13th chance, I'll just kind of live like I want to do. Let me tell you something about the second chance. It's not quite like the first chance. Let me tell you something about the second chance. It's not quite as easy as the first chance. Let me tell you something about the second chance. It don't come with as much feeling as the first chance. How many's ever been out in the creek or you swim? We used to, we used to swim in them old ponds. We had one pond that we uh, affectionately called the uh, lily pad pond. And we had another pond that we called the mud pond. And that pond, all it was is where all that uh, farmer's cows went to wade out there, and we swam in that. The EPA wouldn't have liked that at all. <laughs> they wouldn't have liked that at all. But I remember as a kid, when we lived in Blueford, out there, out back, there was a little a creek to where it had a grapevine. And, and I remember that grapevine being like 100 foot long. And it's like, you know anything, you know, when you're a kid and you, you go back and you look at something when you're an adult, and it's like, well, that house wasn't very big. That room wasn't very big. But uh, it's like, man, we'd swing out over that creek, and I'd be able to swing all the way across, and, and then the rope would go back to Greg, and he's a lot smaller than I was. And, and I'd say, come on, you got you to gotta grab it. You got to grab it. He's there. He's trying to get his nerve up. Come on, man, you got to grab the rope. And he waited a couple times. You got to grab the rope. I know, I know, but I'm... I'm a sissy boy. <laughs> you got to grab the rope. The rope's still swinging. But it's getting harder and harder to grab the rope. Harder and harder to grab the rope. The second time's going to be more difficult than the first time. Third time's going to be more difficult than the second time. Fourth time's going to be more difficult than the third it just keeps getting more difficult all the time. This is why it is, a, it is a dangerous place for people to hear the gospel and never respond. That's a dangerous place to be. You say, God's still calling. Sure he is. The rope's still swinging too. But it'd be harder and harder to get a hold of that rope. Pharaoh had 10 chances at the rope and didn't respond to any of them. And he died and went to hell and is there right now. Rope's still swinging. God's still knocking. God's still knocking on some of you right now. And the further away you get, God's still knocking, 
but if you go past them doors, still knocking, but you ain't hearing quite as good. You go outside, still knocking, you ain't hearing quite as good. You go out in the parking lot, still knocking, you ain't hearing at all. But still knocking, still swinging. But it gets harder every time. You say, well, I didn't get saved because it's God's fault. Not God's fault. Rope's still swinging. The same sun that will soften up butter will harden clay rock hard. What's the elements that's within you? What's the choices that you're making that you will not, for whatever reason, respond? And to me, it's like, it's as simple as this. If a guy was starving to death, and there was a banquet set out in front of him, and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's as foolish as that to me when I see a people that should respond and don't. Starving to death spiritually and won't respond. The banquet is there, but won't respond. I know when I'm really sick, it's when I'm too sick to eat. That's when I know. I, that, that's, my, that's my acid test right there. If I'm too sick to eat, I'm too sick. If I'm too sick to eat my soup now or drink one of my two shakes, I'm, I'm sick. And with Jesus having the table laid out for us with forgiveness and peace and the peace of God and the assurance of salvation and everything that he can give, and we just snub our nose at that, you're sick. George Truett, a man who pastored at one time the largest Baptist church in the world there in Dallas, Texas, that man, he, got, he was there for 40 years. At his 40th anniversary of pastoring that church, they had a huge celebration inside the church, and a lawyer showed up. And him and George knew each other, and he shook George's hand, and he said, I want you to know, preacher, I came to this city the same year you did. I'd sit in that church, and I'd hear you preach, and you wasn't near the preacher you are now. And I'm telling you, I would sit back there and just tremble, knowing that I need to get right with God, but I never did do it. And you know, just this morning when I came to this celebration, I heard you preach this Sunday morning. You're a far better preacher than you used to be. And you know what? He goes, I didn't even feel a thing. Went outside the doors, went in the foyer, go out in the parking lot. God's still knocking. He wasn't hearing. See, there's a danger in thinking that, oh yeah, God will always give me a second chance. God will continue knocking, but the element and whatever's in your heart that is refusing, it's making it harder and harder and harder and harder for you to make that decision. I fell away from Jesus when I was 18 years of age. And from a span of time, from 18 to 20, I wanted nothing to do with God. And that's a part of my life I'm pretty ashamed about. I went to a few revivals that people wanted me to go to. I didn't go to many. And it was just like, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And I remember the house and the room that I was in. 
and it was late, real late, one night, and I'm going through the dial on the radio, and I came across the song that I thought, I'll just listen to that song. And as I listened to that song, the Spirit of God broke through into my life again. Here's the song. Some of you have heard it. Some of you have never heard this song. It's Dallas Home, Rise Again. Go ahead, drive the nails in my hands. Laugh at me where you stand. Go ahead and say, it isn't me. The day will come when you will see. Go ahead, mock my name. My love for you is still the same. Go ahead and bury me, but very soon I will be free because I'll rise again. Ain't no power on earth can tie me down. I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. Go ahead and say I'm dead and gone, but you will see that you were wrong. Go ahead and try to hide the sun, but all will see that I'm the one. I'll rise again. There's no power on earth that can tie me down. I'll rise again. Death can't keep me in the ground. God, by his spirit, spoke to my heart that night, and I knew he still wanted me. I knew he was still after me. I knew that I hadn't gone too far. There are people in this room, God has given you a second chance. There are people in this room, God's giving you that chance right now to respond. Preacher, another time, it'll get harder and harder and harder to hear his voice. Bow your heads, please. Father, I'm thankful, God, for the second chance that you gave me. And Lord, I am fully aware that that chance was different. That time was different than the first time. Lord, I didn't feel exactly like I felt like I did the first time. But Lord, I'm thankful for that chance that you gave me. Thank God for your amazing grace. Thank God for a second chance. In Jesus we pray, amen. Listen to the words of this song.
in judgment it won't be swinging it won't be knocking there will come a time when it will be stopped the idea that I'll get to judgment someday and I'll cry out for mercy here's the problem with that with that scenario Jesus himself is seated right now what they refer to as the rainbow throne. And the rainbow always is descriptive of mercy. And he'll go from that on the day of judgment and he'll go from there and he will sit at the great white throne where only justice is meted out. We don't want justice, people. We want mercy. We don't want justice, people. We want mercy. We don't want justice, people. We want mercy. On that day, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Why? That rope's still swinging. That knock is still knocking. But if you foolishly put it off again one more day, next time, it won't be near as loud. A girl told me that one time, Mark, I hear you preaching, I don't feel nothing. And she laughed about it. And I just thought, the Bible says those that live in sin... Basically, they do it at their own harm in their own parish. You've heard the message today. The Spirit of God is speaking. If you're here this morning and God giving you that second chance or that 93rd chance or whatever it is, you need to respond. You don't need this preacher to come back and drag you to the altar. You need to respond. Don't wait till judgment. Don't wait till judgment. Let's all stand. The person that lives in sin, the Bible says, is dead while they live there. You're deadened. Deadened. Like a dentist giving you a shot. He deadens it. You're being deadened. Break free from that and let the life of Jesus Christ infuse you and make you a new person. Come on. Come on, they sing. Come on. You need to respond.
The second time will be different than the first. I bet every time for the rest of Simon Peter's life, when he warmed himself by a fire, he thought of that sad chapter in his life when he failed Jesus so miserably. My guess is that this is just a guess. We have no Bible for this, but it makes sense to me. My guess is that Jonah had trouble eating fish all the rest of his life. Somebody mentioned tartar sauce or going fishing. It's like, count me out. Uh, it's always different, always different. I remember my own, in my own personal experience, I knew nothing about Jesus. I knew nothing about the Bible. And I've said this to numerous people. You couldn't have known less than I knew. That's it. I mean, you couldn't have known less than I knew. And Jesus saved me in that night. I'll never forget it. It was like a thousand pounds just lifted off of me. When I came back to Jesus, I expected that same experience. It didn't happen. It was different. It was that that didn't happen. That that whole of just a freedom of knowing just just the weight of the world. It was different. And the longer I've been in this, the more it makes sense to me why it was different. I had no basis for my faith. I knew that Jesus had died, and that's about it. The, the day I was born again. But when I came back to Him. It was a faith thing then. I knew about all of that. God gave me that little something extra at the beginning because I didn't know anything about anything. And God saved me anyway. But the second time, it was different. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardbillchurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.